Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will, called, will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, for this Advent season, you know this if you've been around, we've been scanning the resume of Jesus. That's what we've been calling that genealogy in Matthew 1 before you get to the Christmas story. We've been calling it Jesus' resume. Uh, And against convention, uh, we ran into five mothers of Jesus, five women there in Matthew 1. And these women are outsiders, uh, first as women. Uh, You couldn't, your testimony didn't hold up in a legal sense. Um, You couldn't inherit property. Um, So uh, they were outsiders as women. They were outsiders uh, racially. Um, So we see a Canaanite woman, we see a Moabite woman, we see a Hittite woman. Um, Outsiders uh, morally. Uh, You have incest and prostitution and adultery. Really fun. We're not going to cover that tonight. Um, But that has clued us into who this Messiah is. Because they're on his resume. And it clues us into what he will do, how he will do it, who he considers his family. Who who he considers is my people. Is my people. And so tonight, ever so briefly, we come to the fifth Mary. Usually there are four Sundays in Advent. Um, We are just breaking all convention, and we're sneaking in a fifth Sunday because we had to cover Mary, right? So they're all lit. Um, And there's lights up here. They won't be here next week. And so this is what we're going to do is we're going to cover Mary very briefly. And she is the unlikely mom of this tiny, squishable, vulnerable, killable baby. She's the mom of this baby. So let's look at uh, where Mary's from, her hometown. Let's look at the place. We're going to do this quickly. It'll be fun. Um, And this town of uh, Nazareth is a tiny, squishable, vulnerable, killable little place. Uh, let's talk the scene. I, I, I know that we kind of envision Nazareth or Bethlehem, as the case may be, um, as being this quaint, idyllic little English town where all the women have flowing dresses and they have those like tubular warmers and they're walking around just caroling and offering wassail to everyone. You know, we envision Nazareth must have been just a beautiful, bucolic little place. Uh, but no. But no. Um, some of you know this. I, I, I ministered as a youth guy in West Alabama um, for uh, about four and a half years before I went to seminary. And uh, I was in a small town called Aliceville, Alabama, and you can look it up there. It's, it's 3,000 people. Uh, now, Aliceville in and of itself is not much. Um, if you don't have a McDonald's in a southern town, you're a nobody. Okay, so Aliceville did not have a McDonald's. Um, we had a Wards. 
Yeah, W-A-R-D-S, that's, that's what we had, that was fast food. Uh, uh, kind of Aliceville's claim to fame was that they were a, the site for a POW camp in World War II where they would take a, um, a, a German prisoners of war and there was a big camp. And uh, Germans still come back to this day and they had this fantastic experience. They set up this big theater. They had a printing press. It was like five-star POW camp. So you can be relieved to know we did our job there. Uh, but that's its claim to fame, POW camp. Uh, but that's not really what Nazareth was about. Uh, there are communities outside of Aliceville, and um, they're out little roads. Some of them are dirt roads. I, I told my brother this. I was like, there's these dirt roads. And he goes, Tim, it's like 2007. There, there are no more dirt roads in America, Tim. There are dirt roads in America in West Alabama. And I'm thinking of this little community, Saps. Um, and it's, what it is, it's, it's a collection of single wide trailers. Uh, th- not the model type, uh, really run down single wide trailers. Uh, you have burn piles in the front, you have trash piles, uh, you do have old cars, uh, you have multiple animals running around, and it, it, it's where uh, my friend that I met in West Alabama, Carl, was from Saps, Alabama. I don't know if you can find it on a map. I, I, di- I didn't go to the trouble of Googling it because who Googles Saps, right? Not me. And Carl uh, had eight teeth in his head. Now, this is in his 20s. So he has eight teeth in his head. Uh, lived with his mom, uh, meth addict, uh, for much of her life. And uh, he quit fifth grade and was bumbling around trying to find farm jobs and uh, he told me that his mom would keep, when he was a kid, mom would keep him in the closet for long periods of time. Just, she didn't want Carl around. Uh, Carl was saving up this money, and he saved up money for an engagement ring for a girl who would never really marry Carl. And so his mom stole the ring, she pawned it off. Um, it's tough. Uh, Carl's from Saps, Alabama, and no one cares. All right, Nazareth is saps. All right, Nazareth is saps. Um, d- this is in our scriptures. Um, Nathaniel or, or Bart um, <laughs> actually has a joke. It's a, it's, a, it's a common joke in antiquity is, can anything good come from Nazareth? <laughs> can anything good come from South Alabama? Oh, you didn't think it was funny? Um, Philip responds to Nathaniel and he says, come and see. Come and see. Just check it out. Uh, Nazareth comes from the word netzer. And um, it, it's a word, it's a Hebrew word that means this, is like, let's say uh, there's, there's a tree and someone chops down the tree and um, lo and behold, like, you know, next spring or something, there's a little sapling that, that comes up where the stump was. Why did they name that little community Netzer? Or it just means a little stump, a little shoot. I was, this is why they named it, is because it's on the outskirts, and it's the, fir- it's the first little village to get slammed from invading country, right? They, they would put up watchtowers. You don't plant vineyards in Nazareth, in Nazareth for crying out loud because they're the first to go. 
So Nazareth, for most of its existence, is always Netzer. It's always Nazareth. They, they got raised again, and they're always just, people are always trying to scratch. Some nobodies will scratch out a living in Netzer and wait until it gets raised again, because that's what you do in Nazareth. That's what you do in Nazareth. No one cares. It doesn't matter what happens out there. It's going to get destroyed, and that somebody will pick up some shingles and some scraps of wood and eke out a life. And you rinse and repeat that. It's a tiny, squishable, vulnerable, killable little city. Not even a city. So that's Nazareth. Let's talk about Mary. Um, she's so tiny and squishable and vulnerable and killable, Mary is. Uh, she's so Carl. She's so Carl. If she disappears, if Mary dies, the world's not going to notice. Give me, give me one person you know from Saps, Alabama, who's died. You don't care. Uh, Victorville. Victorville, California, would be cosmopolitan and urbane, right? Um, this is the funny thing about Mary, though, is uh, we, she doesn't have a gritty backstory. Uh, <laughs> I tease my, my daughter, one of my daughters, I won't say who, but I tease her that she doesn't have a gritty backstory because I always tell them how I grew up poor, my dad was tough. You know, I say, you don't have a gritty backstory. So it was raining the other day, and she was like, are you going to give me a ride to school? I was like, no, I'm not going to give you a ride to school. I said, this is where you build your gritty backstory. I gave her a ride to school. Calm down. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> but Mary doesn't have a gritty backstory like Tamar, that, that weird incest thing, Rahab, the weird prostitution thing. Um, Bathsheba, the adultery, Ruth, um, the Moabite who's living with the older single woman. Um, her husband died. Her father-in-law died. Doesn't have the gritty backstory. Mary doesn't have any of that gritty backstory. And, and I'm going to just tell you this tonight. Is, and I, I don't mean to offend, but well, no, maybe I do a little bit. Um, uh, I don't buy into all of that veneration of Mary nonsense. So I'm going to make that really clear here, okay? I don't think that she was extra super spiritual. I don't, I think, she, I don't think that she was always just like beatific and looking up into the clouds. I, I, I don't buy that about Mary because I, I don't know humans like that. All right? Um, I don't think she was sinless. I do think she was a quiet, chaste product of promise, though. Okay? And this is what I mean by that. Her song that she has here, um, and she starts out, we call it the Magnificat, just because Magnificat in Latin just means, I magnify the Lord. That's, that's all it means. Uh, her song is this mashup of psalms. That's all, it's not even original. She's just remixing all of these psalms into her own little Mary psalm. Uh, and what does that mean? What does that tell you? Um, I, I don't, the ancient families, they don't have access to scrolls. They don't have access to the Torah and the scriptures. So before you're of age, of marrying of age, is your child 
uh, <laughs> we're going to try this now. Your child would memorize 150 psalms. Whoa. All right? And you think APIB was a big deal. Uh, so why do I call Mary a product of promise? Quiet, no name, nobody, in a nobody town. calls back all of these psalms that have been floating around in her head and she remixes it into something absolutely beautiful. She's a nobody who knows the word of her Lord. All right? When, what's the lyrical point of Mary's song? You see me. You remembered me. You're powerful, you're mighty, you're strong, you're rich, and you remembered me? You came to me, tiny, squishable, vulnerable, killable me? Me? You know who I remember December after December after December? I remember Carl. I remember a guy named Randy, and I remember Mary. Isn't that something? She called it too. From now on, this is what she says in verse 48. From now on, all generations will call me blessed of God. She called it forgettable, tiny, squishable, vulnerable, killable Mary. He remembered her. Um, he, 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 show, he has shown the strength of his arm, verse 51. You, big God, you've shown your strength to the weak. This is what, verse 52, you've exalted the Carls and the Randys and the Marys. What? You've exalted those of humble estate, those who live in Saps, Alabama. You've exalted them. You've filled the hungry, says in verse 53. And then it says this in verse 53, and the rich go away empty. So when I read Mary's remix of the Psalms, she's saying, look, God, you're so great, you're so big, you're so capable, you're so powerful. And we get the sense of her own estimation of herself, and it's not that large. She thinks she's tiny, squishable, Vulnerable and killable. So Nazareth, tiny, squishable, vulnerable, killable. The place, right? Mary, tiny, vulnerable, squishable. I forgot squishable and killable. But I I think she figured this out, but I don't think at the time she quite understood that this mighty, powerful, capable, strong God, this remembering God, also came as a God who was tiny, squishable, vulnerable, and killable. Um, Martin Luther has uh, these nativity sermons that that he would give around Christmas time, and and he compiled some of his favorite thoughts into something he called his Christmas book. 
uh, and, and they're beautiful little reflections, almost like little devotions on Christmas. And, and this, is, this is one of them. Uh, I enjoyed it. I read it this past week. Maybe you'll enjoy it too. Um, this is Martin Luther. Let us then meditate upon the nativity just as we see it happening in our own babies. I would not have you contemplate the deity of Christ, the majesty of Christ, but rather his flesh. Look upon the baby Jesus. Divinity may terrify man. Inexpressible majesty will crush him. That is why Christ took on our humanity save for sin, that he should not terrify us, but rather that with love and favor he should console. Um, What is more tiny, squishable, and vulnerable, and killable than God becoming a few molecules and cells that are binding and growing? I just ask you that. Look, look, I know we all struggle with God, we, we wrestle with God at times. I know we do. I, I, I affirm it. I, I think we struggle. Um, we ask those questions. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Why are you allowing that to go on? Sometimes we struggle with, does he understand or does he know? Does he see? Does he know? Does he, does he, does he get it? With, you know, I, I get that. You know, what? <laughs> you know what we can never say, though, because of Christmas? I know we struggle there, but you know what we can never say? We can never say this, this God who is so great and so big and so powerful, who has all this power and authority, we can never say that he abuses it. We can never say you're mean, you're prickly, you're obtuse. We can't say he's mean. We can never say that. Not when he gives it all up to become tiny and squishable and vulnerable and killable. We can't say that. Like, (laughs) why does he become so tiny, squishable, vulnerable, killable? Why, do you think it's this? Do you think it's like, all right, if I do this, maybe then they'll totally behave. <laughs> like, it's, it's, do you think God did this business like, all right, I hope they act right and do right now. Do you think your behavior is why he did this? No, we have to understand there is something even greater than our, imaginis, than our imaginations for what he wants of us. And that has to be love. And I am not talking about sentimental, sappy love here. I am talking about love doing something that only becoming tiny, squishable, vulnerable, and killable can do. Let me give you an example. I know this has never happened to you. (laughs) I know this only happens to me. (laughs) But you get in an argument with your shweetie. Again, just throw your rocks at me. And uh, the conversation goes like this. Uh, Nope, not me. That's on you. You did it. 
Ah, uh-uh, no way. I'm not wrong. No, you don't see it. It was you. Hmm. Funny. No, uh-uh. No. Uh, you are in the wrong here. Funny. No, you. No, you. Nope, you, 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 you. And this is what's funny, or not so funny, is you know when you're in it, those of you that this has happened to, which just listen to, in theory, my story, I guess. Do you know what? You reach that weird impasse where the chasm only gets bigger and the walls only, you're, you just put bricks, brick, you're like, no, I, like, it ain't me. And they're like, it's, right, like, you're like, what's gonna give? It was you. No, you, nope, it was you. Yeah, it was me. What, wait, what? Wait, what? Like somebody has to become tiny and squishable and vulnerable and killable. And why? Why do they become, why does that person suddenly say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some of the heat, I'm gonna take some of the fault, I'm gonna take some of the wrong. Why do they do that? Why? Why do they become tiny and squishable and vulnerable and killable? Because at some point, the relationship between these two people is more important than being right. And so somebody becomes tiny and squishable and vulnerable and killable. But it does something, it melts. And you know what happens afterwards is, is sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes the intimacy was greater than it was before. All right. What a, what a bad hometown. Tiny, squishable, vulnerable, killable. What a, what a, what a nobody of a person. But this is what God is saying in Jesus is, I am going to be at fault. Second Corinthians tells us that. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Like he became tiny, squishable, vulnerable, and killable. This is from Martin Luther. So what now? <laughs> Trust him. I, I, Martin Luther is a pretty excitable his, historical theologian. I imagine him like shaking you, grabbing you by the shoulders. Trust him. Trust him. You can trust this baby. Here's the child in whom is salvation. To me, there's no greater consolation given to mankind than this, that Christ became man, a child, a babe. Tiny, squishable. Who is there whom this sight would not comfort? Now is overcome the power of sin, death, hell, conscience, and guilt. If you come to this gurgling babe and believe that he has come not to judge you, but to save you. Mm -hmm. 
probably more gentle now, but the hands are still on your shoulders. Our tiny, squishable, vulnerable, killable God with love came down. So, hit it, Mary. Play it again, Mary. My soul, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, um, communicate to my mind this, this great depth. Um, I, I also pray that to my heart and to the hearts of my friends here that you communicate this incredible truth that we're still unpacking. May we, in turn, with our relationships and with our neighbors and to our city, become once again tiny, squishable, vulnerable, and killable. In your name, for your glory, amen.